Welcome to the Tradie Success Podcast by Annette Wellsford, founder of Common Sense Marketing and Tradie Marketing Secrets. Annette's on a mission to help honest, hardworking tradies like you to become marketing geniuses. So you end up spending less time on the tools and more time growing a great business. Hi and welcome. It's Annette Wellsford here from Tradie Success. Listen in as I talk to a building and construction lawyer who shares an interesting tale about a builder who lost a lot of money through something silly he did. Something that anybody could do. Luckily now, this particular builder has had sound advice from Fiona and this has never happened to him again because he now knows what he should be doing. So today I'm talking to Fiona Atchison-Reed, who's the Principal Solicitor and Director of Atchison Reid Building and Construction Lawyers here in Brisbane. She's an interesting person. She's got a double degree, uh, one in building science and the other in law. Now, it sounds unusual and it is because in actual fact, she was the very first person in New Zealand to complete the two degrees at the same time. You can tell um, as soon as you start speaking to her, she's got a real passion for construction. And that's her, the area that she has pursued. She started off um, in New Zealand with a law firm focusing on construction litigation. And uh, so she got involved in, you know, all sorts of disputes around the construction industry. Um, and then on, onwards, with a few pauses to have children, she has spent her time helping trade contractors and subbies and all sorts of people in the construction industry with the legal side of stuff or legal side of things. Now, even though she does help with, um, you know, people and businesses with their disputes, her real passion and interest lies with helping tradies um, to avoid getting anywhere near a dispute situation in the first place and to really reduce their legal risks. And it's not hard to do. Um, Once you know what to look out for, as you will hear, uh, it's something that everybody should be doing to make sure that you never, ever jeopardize your business uh, and your money by not doing things properly in the first place. Hi Fiona and welcome. It's good to have you join us today. Hi Annette, thank you. Um, Thank you for inviting me to come and talk. So, my pleasure. Um, Our listeners today are are all in the trades and construction industry and I know that you've got some interesting stories to tell us about uh, your time as a as a lawyer in this area, so tell us why do tradies usually come and see you in the first place? Um, what I find is when um, when most um, people come to, to see me, and this is whether it's a tradie or even a, a much bigger company, um, they usually the reason they come to see me is because they're in trouble. They've um, usually have a dispute of some sort. I suppose an example of this would be um, one of my clients who is a builder uh, was had a dispute, came to me with a dispute with his um, his customer. He had built a deck, which was a fantastic deck, apart from on one side it was out of alignment. Now the cu- customer thought that that it was bad building, but oh. it wasn't at all. It was because because the house itself was very old. And, and that's what happens when houses are old, they get out of alignment. Mm-hmm. So that, so from that perspective, he wasn't really, um, he hadn't done anything wrong, 
Um, but the problem he had when he came to me was that although he'd used a domestic building contract and, and um, from that particular issue is um, I can actually only talk about Queensland law, so it's under the um, Queensland Building and Construction Commission Act is now the, um, the act concerning domestic building contracts. So he used one, he used the master builder contract, great, well done for that. Unfortunately, he hadn't followed the proper process though. So there were lots of variations for this particular contract, but oh. there were no variation documents. He'd requested all the money from the client, even though the client had um, thought there were minor defects and omissions, but he hadn't sent a defects document. So there were all these little things that he was required to do as part of his licensing and his contract that he hadn't done. Now, so they were the silly things that he did, not... They were the silly things, right. not the building. His building was fantastic. Right. And then what that meant is that suddenly he just didn't have a, you know, a quibbling dispute with um, a homeowner that really he was quite right about. He had um, issues with his licensing with GDCC. So we needed to sort out that dispute very quickly with the homeowner because if we didn't and they went to QDCC, we would be looking at fines and penalty points and demerit points against his licence. Whoa. So the implications of not following the administrative process correctly are a lot more than just not getting paid. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I actually have another example of another um, tradie that I do work for. And they arrived with me again, a dispute. Um, and what had happened is that the dispute had got so heated on site um, that my poor tradesman thought he had two choices. He was either going to punch the guy or he had to walk off site. <laughs> so he um, decided he would walk off site. Yeah, Unfortunately, he had, Yeah, well, you know, in some respects it was a great choice. Otherwise, he might have ended up with a criminal record. Yes. But unfortunately, um, and he refused to go back on site to finish the work, um, the, um, the homeowner went, of course, to QBCC, which is the Queensland Building and Construction Commission, went to QBCC and complained. And they found that there was not even a domestic building contract in this case, and there was supposed to be one. There were... Um, and um, he'd asked for a deposit that was, I think, 50% of the contract price. And those of you who deal with domestic building will know that it needs to be either 5% or 10% oh dear. of the, um, the contract price. So instantly, he's horrendously on the back foot. Yes. Right. Um, so he, and he ended up having to not only pay fines with QVCC, he had to pay the homeowner back quite a lot of that deposit because he had to compensate the homeowner for getting somebody else in and finishing the work. <gasps> Dear me. Okay. All right. So it sounds like that, that was a job fraught with risk right from even before it started. And by having a bit of a, a, a set to or a misunderstanding or whatever you like to call it with a homeowner, has just brought everything to a head. And these things can happen and expose him big time. So no matter, yeah, yeah so mm, even if the homeowner was in the wrong, in this instance he was in the right. 
exactly, exactly. So, I mean, the laws are there to protect the consumer because they're considered not to know what the obligations are and assume that the tradie does know what their obligations are. So, so how can tradies then, you know, reduce the risk of this happening to them, if they're, particularly if they're already using a, a contract of some sort? I, and it's a really hard ask in some respects because there are three things that in, rating, in running your uh, trade business you need to know about. Mm-hmm. One is the law. So you need to know what obligations you have as a tradesperson in that particular area. Now, um, I can, as I said before, I can only talk about Queensland law. So builders and tradespeople in Queensland, if they are building over $3,300 and they are dealing with a, a homeowner, they need, or um, somebody with a domestic, like a resident, they, um, they need to have a domestic building contract. Mm-hmm. And, and that particular contract has to have particular things in it. And they also have a whole process from the starting of the contract right to the end that they need to follow. And does that so apply to, to all different types of trades, Fiona? It does. As long as if you have, <coughs> if you need to have a licence under, under QBCC, uh, then yep. it follows the, the rules of dealing with homeowners and consumers. Apart from electricians who have to be completely their own set of laws. Right. That's probably be the only difference. Okay. So so they can so let's just recap. So the way that they can reduce the risk is is first of all by having a contract, particularly you know, well they have to if it's over three thousand three hundred and they're a trade that needs a licence. That that's right. So I suppose the first thing is understand what your obligations are yes. under the law, yep. and then also understand your contract and what your processes are under that contract. Mm-hmm. Because your obligations are actually kind of like a bit like a marriage between the law and the contract. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now the third part of it, so hard enough, I know. You've got to understand the law. You've got to understand your contract. But the third part of it is actually implementing your obligation. So actually putting into action on a daily basis what the law and the contract says you need to do. And and that's what everyone calls your process. What do you do on a daily basis to to comply with your obligations? Okay. So why, why is a contract or the type of contract so important? Um, well, if you're talking about the, the type of contract like the, um, a domestic building contract compared to another type of contract, that's because it's, it's important because that's what's required by law. Right. But a contract by itself is incredibly important um, because it's the document that says how your relationship is going to work with your customer. It also is your way of saying, this is the process I am going to go through if any of these situations occur. So if I send an invoice to you, you need to pay the invoice within seven days. If you don't, I'm going to claim interest. You've got, it's a process. You're telling them 
how things are going to happen in the future if certain things happen. Now, what, again, as you can hear, the, the contract actually, what it does is it puts into writing your process, your daily things that are happening. Hmm. And, of course, I, I guess by having it in writing in a contract, it's enforceable. Exactly. It is enforceable. Um, and um, and once you sign that document, there's very little you can do about it afterwards. I mean, you, once you sign your contract, that's what you've agreed. Mm. Okay. You can't go back and say, oh, afterwards, oh, I want to change that. You're going to have to get the other person's agreement to change anything in that contract. So... Do you think it's a good idea for subcontractors to have contracts with, say, you know, big builders or developers? Because I know they sometimes wait ages to get paid, don't they? Uh, they do, they do. Um, usually what happens with those big builders and developers is that the, the subcontractor will sign the builder or the developer's contract. Ah, right, okay. And... Um, and that's uh, the, there's two major risks for a subcontractor in that kind of situation. Firstly, you're signing somebody else's contract, so at the end of the day, it's going to be in their interest. Most of them have their own personalised contracts, um, and you are going to be signing and, and taking on a lot of risk, mm-hmm. especially if you sign an indemnity clause. Um, and I always tell all of my clients that if they sign somebody else's contract, if they the one thing that they can make sure they do is make sure their insurance company checks that indemnity clause to make sure they're actually insured for it. Because if you don't, you might not be insured for that job. Oh, right. Gee, there's a lot of things to, to know, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Now, the other thing, it's not just the risk of the contract that happens for subbies who are dealing with big builders and developers. The next risk is about payment. And, and if you talk to any subby, they're always worried about payment um, and, and waiting to get paid. Now, one of the biggest risks in these types of contracts is that every time they enter into a new contract, the payment um, payment terms change. Mm. So that means that um, with those payment terms changing, it has an effect on their ability to enforce payment now for... When you deal with a, build, um, a builder or a developer, it's a, considered a commercial contract and that falls into the ambit of um, an act called the Building and Construction Industry Payments Act. Now, all the other states have their own version of it, but they are all slightly different. The interesting thing about this act is it's a fantastic piece of legislation for subbies because it gives them tools to enforce payments, we can suspend works, we can um, adjudicate, oh. we can go to court. There's all these wonderful things in there. It's fantastic. The only thing is you have to comply with the Act yeah. to be able to use those tools. Right. Now, the Act is a marriage between, as, as I said before, marriage between the contract and the legislation. So because the Act allows you to enter into whatever contract terms you want to within certain Perimeters. It means that you, um, when you change your contract terms, which happens every time a subby enters into a new contract, you're going to have to change how you deal with your payment claims. 
and sending out your invoices has to be different for each time and you have to know what's particular about those particular documents each right. time. Right, so, so it is obviously good value, um, particularly if, you, if we're talking about, you know, um, a lot of money here, to actually um, get yourself or your own state version of you um, involved if it's a, you know, substantial amount of work. Mm. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, we do do that. We do look at the contracts, but what, um, for studies. But we, what we also do is we now provide um, a service where their bookkeeper or their accounts person can actually get in a spreadsheet what they need to provide for that particular payment claim for that particular job. Right. That's since really, they get awarded yeah. the job, they know. Um, oh, this is the date I have to send the payment claim or this is the year time frame I've got to see my payment claim. This is the documents I need to have. Do I need a statutory declaration? What do I need to um, include in it? Then on top of that, uh, when is the payment schedule, the response due? When am I due for payment? So then also when can they get on to other documents? Like in Queensland, we've got a Section 28 notice that needs to go out within a certain time frame. So there's all these things that hang off Getting right. the ducks in the row right at the beginning, because again, if you don't get that right, none of it's relevant. So, okay, well, well thank you for that. Um, just getting back onto like a standard contracts, you know, that maybe, um, you know, builders or um, some of the other trades that are doing work over 3,300. Can't they just get like a standard contract, you know, from their trade association or from, you know, some on- online place or something? <laughs> yeah, um, look, they can. That there are they are available. Um, what I've found though, um, one client that I had, um, actually, it was one of the clients um, I talked about earlier who um, um, didn't have a domestic building contract, but they had spent about two thousand dollars on their contract. It just didn't comply because the people they bought it from didn't tell them about what they needed to have in their contract. So maybe um, they were a generalist and not, um, not sort of au fait was, with yeah. building. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it was supposed to be for that particular trade, right. but they hadn't taken into account, I don't think, the legislation in the particular area. You do need to be really careful. Even with, um, like I do have clients who use master build contracts and HIA contracts, um, you can use them, but then what, um, especially for those particular trades, so I'm talking about the, who I'd call normally subbies, people who are plumbers, electricians, anyone with a specialist trade, a generic contract, I just don't think will work, or no. it doesn't to me work for them. The other issue is that because they're so specialist, they have particular things about their business. In fact, I think all businesses are particular and different and need to have their own personalised contracts to kind of write down what their actual processes, their real life processes are. Mm. But in saying that, I'm, I have um, a builder client who um, I was talking about their master build contract and they said to me, oh, I have no idea what it says. I just press it out. Well, it's it's legal speak, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, um, but the problem they've got is that how are they going to follow their own contract if they don't know what it 
says. And that what often happens is you have these standard form contracts that people use, but they haven't, they don't reflect anything that what actually happens. And when you think a contract is supposed to be about what the processes that that business is actually going to follow in these certain situations, you can see that there's like a mismatch between the two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I know a lot of us find legal speak, <coughs> excuse me, very hard to uh, to understand at times. All those weird words. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's not just you. It's um, yeah. What we call in the industry, we call it legalese. Legalese. Yeah. Uh, legalese, and um, I am a strong believer that um, it just shouldn't be used anymore. We only use plain English. In oh, our good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, at the end of the day, one, I want everyone to understand what I'm telling them, so I'd never give advice other than in plain English. But all our contracts are in plain English too. In fact, I go that one step further. I like to call it consumer-friendly language. So it's language that isn't meant to intimidate. It's oh, language that needs to hear. make your customers feel that they, you actually care about them. Actually, uh, that leads me on to another question, um, or not a question, but an observation, is that a lot of people find lawyers a little bit intimidating. What do you say to that? Yeah. <laughs> um, look, I can understand even one of my um, my best friends is a construction engineer, and she she told me she found lawyers intimidating, which I thought was quite funny because um, she's one of my best friends, <laughs> but she doesn't find me intimidating. But anyway, look, if you're going to a lawyer and if you find them intimidating or you don't understand what they're saying, they're probably not a good match for you. Mm. Um, and go and find somebody else who is. At the end of the day, lawyers are service providers, just like any other service provider that you come across. Mm. So, And yep. you need to find one that fits you and also provides you with the right advice. So I would, if you're in the building industry, I would definitely say, always go to somebody who has building and construction expertise because they need, you need them to um, understand your industry. So how I like to think about it, and this, this is kind of, I suppose, our firm approach, is that it's not my job to tell you what to do. Um, you're the business owner and you're the expert in your business and your trade. My role is just to help you and support you in your decision making because at the end of the day, it's your choice whether to follow my advice or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, that's, that's um, good advice. A, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got a little bit of a saying in our, our firm that um, let us be part of your team and that's how we, we like to see it in our law firm, that we like to see ourselves as part of our client's team rather than, um, I don't know, some hierarchical um, yeah, yeah. law firm somewhere. No, that's a good way of looking at it, actually. And I, I suggest that, um, you know, there's probably a lot of trade businesses who would benefit greatly from having somebody like you on their team just to help them um, reduce their risk and, and to understand what their obligations are and, and, and perhaps um, structure things better for them uh, so they, they're not sort of, you know, it's going to work better for them. In fact, I understand um, that when we get down to contracts, that that in actual fact that there's a change coming um, in Queensland 
on the 1st of July. Now, I don't know what that is, but can you explain that for us? Okay, so what's happening in Queensland is on the 1st of July, the um, the Domestic Building Contracts Act um, is being repealed. That means it won't exist anymore. And um, domestic building contracts will be governed by another act called the Queensland Building and Construction Act 1991. Now, the important part about that is that the contracts are changing. Um, it will be... Um, relatively easier for builders and traders to comply with the licensing obligations. Um, in all honesty, um, the, it has been a struggle, I would say, for most businesses to comply with the licensing obligations under the old Act. Right. So what this, what this change means is firstly there's going to be two types of contracts. There's going to be Category 1, which has... Um, very few requirements, and that's for contracts between $3,300 and $20,000. And then over $20,000, there'll be um, Category 2 contracts, um, and that looks pretty much like your traditional domestic building contract. So you need to have all the warranties in it, um, and you need to have your um, consumer guide to building with that when you give it to the client or customer. Um, now, there's two new documents that um, are also involved in this change. There is the um, notice of commencement. So now when you start work, within 10 business days, you need to issue a notice to commence that you've commenced. Tell the owner that you're there and working. Oh. And that document needs to tell them also when you're going to finish. Oh. Also with that is uh, a, a document called... Um, an extension of time claim. So previously, uh, there weren't, there were no real um, required clauses in a contract or a required document for requesting an extension of time. Um, now there is. You can't get an extension of time on a domestic building contract unless you have an extension of time. You make an extension of time claim. Okay, so, wow, there's quite a bit to it, isn't there? There's all these different um, uh, things you exactly. need to know. <laughs> there wow. is, there is. And also, I suppose one thing that people always care about with contract changes is payment. So there's two big changes with payment. Um, one is to do with deposits. And I know there's been a, a lot of talk. I know my clients especially have been very eager to see if they qualified for the 20% deposit. So there's a change that if you do prefabricated work, you can have a 20% deposit. However, right. there's a catch. The prefabricated work needs to be over 50% of the work. So most contractors, that doesn't work for because okay. they don't have 50% of the, their work is usually So this, this new domestic building contract, does that um, apply or can you get like, versions of it for all the different types of trades that might want it? Um, I, there are standard form contracts that are available for the different trades. So, um, for example, KBCC will have their own contracts, but they will just have a trade contract. Mm -hmm. uh, the same for master builders. It will just be a trade contract unless you're doing building, which will have a, um, a building contract Written in, 
Um, but I understand that you um, are providing a, um, <laughs> a some sort of contract pack. In fact, Excellent. you have um, a special offer for our listeners. That, that is correct. That? So, um, yeah. <laughs> right, so we, we do um, write our own contracts. Um, but when we um, give our clients their contracts, we don't just give you a contract and send you on your merry way because we want to make sure that you understand that the contract is also part of, is, is just telling you the process. So we give you all the documents we, um, that you need as part of that process too. So these contracts are personalised and by personalised I mean that it will have your logo on it and your your address details, your QBCC licence number and um, probably your ACN or ABN. Mm-hmm. They can be personalised for your particular trait. So we start off with a template, just like a standard form template and then we meet with our clients and we personalise it. Okay. So this pack is the pre-personalising for clauses, so that the um, the special deal for um, your listeners is that if they um, if they order a um, a new domestic building contract before the 30th of July, they can pay our old package price. So for our old old contracts, it was one thousand and two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. After the 1st of July, it will be fifteen hundred dollars. So there's a big increase. Right, and I'll just read through what these these um, this pack includes. So it's got our compliant domestic building e contracts. So these are PDF contracts that have the tabs that you can work through. They are fine for electronic signatures, and they can be emailed electronically. So um, these are um, very quick documents to um, comp- complete. And also, the great thing is that your admin staff aren't going to add inadvertently delete clauses out of it. Right, okay. Um, it comes with an information sheet explaining every clause, um, a notice of commencement, a variation document, a combined variation and extension of time claim, um, an extension of time claim, a defects document, a notice of intention to suspend works, a checklist for suspending works, and a waiver notice. So it's pretty much everything you need to go on your merry way. Um, with your contract and your processing. Well, look, that's that's fantastic. Thank you. So I, I never knew there was so so much um, involved, um, or that you know the, the particular issues that that could arise that you just don't think about. Um, but I can see that the courts. Well, I don't know, but you know, have the the courts been full of disputes over buildings? <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, in fact, um, QCAT has an extension on the um, the claim limit for QCAT just for building. Wow. Okay. So it, it is really, even though you know, it it really is in every trades um, business's interest to get this side of things sorted and have a good, strong contract that um, you know. Identifies and, and to make sure that they understand the process of what they're supposed to follow. So, in other words, reduce their risk by getting all this sorted beforehand. Definitely, definitely, and it and it does. Even um, one of my um, clients, I um, did a whole domestic building contract process change, new contracts, new documents for them, and I called them up 
two weeks after they um, had everything implemented, and I I asked them how's it going? How's, how's it going? I actually imagined things could be a bit a bit mayhem like, um, and I'm um, like, great! I was blown away. They said our senior management has more time because our our admin staff know what they're doing now. They've got the confidence, and in their voices, on the, even on the telephone, they had the confidence to now deal with customers and complaints and can deal with them quickly and confidently. And, and you know how even just having the confidence that you know what you're talking about, you know your processes, mm. you know what you're doing, instantly gives a message to the other side that probably shouldn't try and push this or question it because we're actually, we do know what we're doing this time. We know mm. what we're doing is right. Mm. And um, and that can solve an enormous amount of problems for a business, just having the confidence that they know what they're doing and that their contract and it reflects what they actually do. Yeah. And it sorts out. And what I also like to say is that they, when you have a personalised contract, it doesn't just sort out those those big headaches. Well, it does, but it's not the big headaches aren't the things that affect you on a daily basis. What a personalised contract does is it sorts out the daily problems, those daily headaches that actually cost you lots of money that you're never going to go and see a lawyer about because it's not worth it. Mm. But they're costing you, it's costing you money every day having to sort it out. So what this um, business found is that finally they were unleashed of having to sort out those daily headaches. Mm. And they were able to focus on what they really wanted to do. Because it was all in the contract that you prepared for. Because it was all in the contract, exactly. Excellent. Well, that's very illuminating. Thank you so much, Fiona, for giving us um, so many fantastic tips and ideas on how it all really works. If people do want to find out, um, contact you or find out more about what you do, they can head over to your website, which is arbuildinglaw.com.au. I will put that into the show notes along with a summary of what uh, Fiona has been talking about and her special offer on the new um, contract pack. Uh, If people are in other states, can they use you or not? Uh, No, No, unfortunately, um, we're not licensed for other states. And the building laws are different. So um, just to be clear with that contract, it's for the 1st of July, um, sorry, the, until the 30th of July 2015. Yes. Um, and it is only, um, it would only be relevant for um, Queensland. And yeah. Queensland. Yeah. yeah. All right. Excellent. Thank you so much, Fiona. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you again. Thanks for your time. Great. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye now. So what are the key takeaways from our talk with Fiona today? Well, first of all, I guess, you know, it's not against the law to be an idiot, hey. (laughs) Prevention is better than cure. But, you know, the thing that stood out clearly for me at the beginning was, um, unfortunately, our ignorance of the laws surrounding our trade or our business is no excuse. We must know the laws and the regulations that apply. You must, number two, you must understand any contract that you issue or any contract that you sign and your responsibilities under that contract. Look, I know they're written in legalese and they're really hard to understand, but we have to. If you don't issue the right paperwork when you're supposed to, 
then you might have trouble getting paid. So the process part of the contract is really important. And finally, having a personalised contract written in simple English, no legalese, as they call it, could actually, I reckon, be a bit of a selling point when you're competing for that building contract. You know, imagine saying to a client, look, you know, no matter who you choose, you're going to have to sign a contract. And um, we've had our contract rewritten in simple, easy to understand English. Um, so, you know, here, take a look at it. To me, that would be a big selling point. So if you'd like a bit of help with your contracts and tightening things up um, in your business, Fiona's contact info is in the show notes. Um, and yes, as she explained, this is for Queensland businesses. So if you're in another state, you will need to con contact a building and construction lawyer in your state. And as always, if you want help with marketing and growing your business, that's what we do. So check out our list of services under the service link at the top of the page on tradiesuccess.com.au. We've helped trade business owners of all types, plumbers, electricians, builders, concreters, you name it, all over Australia to grow and manage their business through our mentoring and done-for-you marketing services. Hope we can help you. Good to talk to you. We'll talk again soon. Bye now. Well done for listening to this podcast. You've taken another step towards becoming a marketing genius. Visit tradiesuccess.com.au to grab the transcript of this podcast and other useful marketing goodies and take some sort of marketing action today.